Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good evening, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macro, keep it right, data, currencies and commodities, top performers of the week there was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce you my investment panel. Back as always to my left, Mr. By the Dip, Dan. Is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, Dr. Adam Shedakowski. And prime spot in front of me, as always, the ever mystic, Mr. Louis Mossman. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. And after a brief hiatus, not mm-hmm. caused by COVID this time, but instead caused by the Queen's birthday, which is actually today, of course, we had a long weekend. Okay, so no It was Friday. Good Friday. It was, there we go. Friday. There we go. <laughs> Qu- quickly Easter. corrected. Mm-hmm. Quickly corrected there. Okay, perfect. And uh, yeah, so we're all back. Everything's all back. And, uh, we're all b- and uh, it's going to be a special addition to the show today because we've actually had a lot of people that have emailed through. So we're just going to be going around and uh, basically answering a whole of the questions that have been sort of backing up through there. Does that sound all good? Sounds good. Sounds excellent. But maybe before we get started on that, a bit of a sort of an overview of what's happened in the market uh, over the past sort of two weeks or so. Mr. Mossman, care to take that away? Yeah, well, I'll just narrow it down to this week because it's been a short week and we'll start there. And we had a pretty bad day on the market today, we can all agree. We slid 1.5% and definitely... I'm pretty sure everyone's portfolios would have been bleeding. But if you look at across the whole week, uh, well, that's the last five trading days, we're actually flat on the market. Okay. So there is some sort of positivity there. I suppose the one big thing to note is we did reach those highs and we're briefly sold off them. But again, not a lot happening in the world. We were mainly dragged lower by you know softness in the US. NASDAQ and S&P all ended lower for the week as well. So not a lot of major market news, but the ebbs and flow of the market are really telling a story, I suppose, about what's happening in the next month. And that's what we'll be digging into today. Very good. Well, listen, I might give the first question over to yourself. This is from Will Harrison. Yes. Really good first name. Really, really like that, first uh-huh. and foremost. Okay. Uh, and Will Harrison has said, are you concerned about the major impact of raising rising rates on Australian property and the stock market? Now, I'm assuming we're talking about interest rates there. Yes. So uh, let's just sort of give uh, Mr. Harrison a bit of a, a bit of an update on what your thoughts on that yeah, are. When I was filtering through the questions, I thought this one sounds like one for me. Yep. Uh, rates, <coughs> property, and the stock market. Well, my, my short answer to the entire question Not is good. <laughs> no. But maybe, yeah, there's a little bit of concern, but you've just got to be prepared for the consequences Mm -hmm. of those rising rates. So one of the big things to note is obviously the accelerating speed of rates being risen. We're all very aware of that. 
best bit, newest piece of news was last night, Federal Reserve uh, Jerome Powell, uh, chairman, he came out and said, it is appropriate in my view to be moving a little bit more quickly. So look, you can't guarantee anything in the market, but I'm pretty confident. He's talking 50 basis points in June. I'm pretty confident we're saying 50 basis points potentially next month. Yep. I mean, they're talking 50 basis points maybe in Australia in June, but I think baked into the market right now, 100 not 100%, I can't guarantee anything, but quite confident potentially that we're looking at 50 basis points next month. And one thing we've seen is, you know, mortgage rates rise higher. So if you're looking to the property market, which we'll ask by, I do have a chart here. This is the US 30-year fixed rate mortgage. It's risen to 5.11% this week. That's up from 3.22% at the start of the year. So in just four months, that rate has risen by almost 2%. And that's the highest it's been since 2011. So we're obviously looking to go higher. Now, if you took a standard $400,000 mortgage or a $400,000 loan from the bank, your repayments will be 38% higher. And you're looking at an extra $480 of mortgage repayments per month. And we're only looking at the start of this rate rise. Don't get much of a property for 400K. Exactly. And, and so if you double that, of course, it's going to be a lot more. Yeah. But you know, you're talking about only the beginning of these rate rises and the bank's going to continually be passing them on mm. as long as the you know, people can sustain them. When we look at the stock market, which was the second part of the question, so wrapping up property, there is of concern and property prices, there's definitely a cap on them in Australia as a result of rising rates. I don't think we're going to see a property crash. To the stock market, the exact same thing. Don't think that'll bring on a stock market crash, potentially a recession in Australia. But what we've actually seen during periods of raised rates in across the world, US and Australia, is actually quite strong equity returns because what does it mean when you raise rates? you think the economy can hold those yes, high right. rates. So, so that so. means you've got a stronger economy Economy as a baseline, which should mean stronger earnings, better business. Oh, it always, always confused me back when they raised <coughs> rates. I think it was 2018 they raised rates in the in America by a little bit, and our market took a tumble, and or their market took a tumble as well. And it always confused me because I, I, I said, asked the question, does that mean the economy is stronger, therefore companies that are in the economy should do really, really well. And of course, it's a bit of an offset. So it's always interesting marrying those two together, I think. Yeah, it's marrying the, marrying the two together. You've got a strong economy, so you can raise <coughs> rates, but with higher rates, you've got higher discount rates and lower stock valuations or asset valuations. So overall question, great one from Will. Starts off the show really well. Yes, you should be monitoring them, but overly concerned right now, I will say no. Very good. All right, my next one is, uh, I'm going to put this over to Dan, and this is from Olivia Cirillo. Now, first and foremost, also let me, uh, as we go down this list, we're going to get some relatively complex names. So if any of our viewers <laughs> hears the name, then they've said that's not how I say it. Uh, I have butched it, and my sincere apologies. But this is from Olivia Cirillo, and uh, she has asked, do you think the Australian federal election will have a major <coughs> impact on the Australian stock market? Ooh, good one. That is an excellent question. I guess the... Short answer is I don't think a huge direct impact, but I think what I would like to talk about is actually, I guess, the way the share market tends to act around the time of an election. Now, I guess the reason I'd rather talk about this than the direct impact, because I believe there won't be a whole lot and evidence suggests in the past that there is not a whole lot that is directly correlated to that. And I guess it's because once they're in government, a lot of political parties are generally forced to adopt pretty sensible macroeconomic policies if they wish to ensure living standards across the board, which at the end of the day, they're all looking to do. Um, so yeah, I guess there's not a huge direct impact, but there is quite a lot of evidence to suggest that the ASX trades pretty sideways leading up to elections. I'd just like Which to pull we up. Are, very yeah, much exactly so. <laughs> right. So I guess the reasoning behind that, we all know the market doesn't like uncertainty. And I guess in this instance, it'd be regarding the change in the political party that's leading the country. So I'll quickly pull up a graph here. You can see uh, in the eight weeks leading up to an election, this is across the board, the average 
on the ASX 200 is a 1.4% increase. Pretty flat, I guess you'd say, across the board. If you look at that chart, a little bit of a mixed bag of what's going up and what's going down. Uh, but I guess followed by that is often a little bit of a relief rally just after the election is settled. You can see there the average after that in the three months prior to that uh, is 4.8% up on the ASX 200. So you can see there that out of the nine of the last 13 elections from 1983, uh, shares, saw, they, shares soared three months after that. So there's only three uh, instances where they're negative after an election, which is quite positive as well. So, so I think... Just, so just summarising that... Uh, Myself. So when, when is the election going to be taking place? Like 21st probably? of May. 21st of May. Okay. Um, it's our crypto event. It is. It's our crypto Easy event. to remember. Easy to remember. Okay. So we've got that happening there. And uh, so we're going to trade sideways up until then. I yes, so exactly right. So you can see that. And then you think we'll have probably about three months of a nice little rally towards the north, potentially. Yeah. And I think if you even look at the XKO chart now, it almost seems to make sense, right? We've hit that resistance. We've been sold back off it. We're not really up and down over the last week. We've seen plenty of days in the green and the red. Um, it does sort of make sense that we can continue to trade sideways at these levels, maybe even pull back a little bit. As you can see, that at the eight-week mark up to the election, there's a bit of a mixed bag. But I think based on the way the XCO has traded recently, it wouldn't. Uh, I think it's quite likely we could trade sideways up to the election. And then maybe after that, which is, yeah, like I said, in about a month's time, uh, maybe gain some momentum and actually break that resistance, which we triple top this week. Very good. Okay, so that was that question for Olivia. I like that one as well. Let's go over now to James Plenderleth. Leith? My apologies if I said that wrong. Okay, and he has said, do you think China will have a negative impact on Australia Australia in the future? Dr. Adam Shedekovsky. Very might broad well. question there. One for Adam, I think. Yeah, this is definitely <laughs> an Adam. Adam. Yes, this has got an Adam. Okay, uh, we are running press for time as always, so just give us your brief synopsis, one or two minutes. please. Well, so firstly, I will say like, China is definitely our friend, at least when it comes to trading, because it is our biggest trading partner. Eric Kosek, everyone's our friend back. And when you also look at the other direction, we are the fifth biggest when it comes to import and the tenth biggest when it comes to export from within China. So we have a close collaboration, and I think that will continue. And yes, it is true that there are concerns that some of the products that we are making in Australia, I mean, iron ore and coal more specifically, is something that China might not want to be importing as much into their country. However, we have to look at it in a bigger perspective. I mean, first of all, I think we have many other things to offer. And I also think um, China is actually moving into a different direction where they will be needing other things as well, other services, more complex uh, products, more complex services. And I think actually Australia is having a very strong position uh, to help with those. So let me just give you some examples. For example, if within healthcare, I think we have a very strong position. And I do think that China will be pushing some uh, money into that direction and Australia will be benefiting from that. We obviously have tourism as well, but there's so many other things where Australia is really high quality. We have very strong uh, legal regulations, strong infrastructure, human resources, and a lot of qualities where China is still to some extent catching up and we can help providing that service. Mm, so mm, broadly mm. I'm seeing, even though there are changes in how things uh, will be moving into the future. I do see Australia being in a very strong position and China will not really be a negative impact. Okay, excellent. Well, there we go. There we go. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Very good questions from Will, Olivia and James. Ladies and gentlemen, back to yourselves. What we're going to do is take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial 1300 854 151. Now, everyone that does receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing Endemics for 
And in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with your currency and commodity overview. Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Let's talk currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold, make the world go round. And as always, gentlemen, we are going through our quick fire questions because we've got them in coming thick and fast. We're going to go straight over to Sydney Ho and they are asking, do you think the hard, soft, oh, sorry, do you think the high, soft and hard commodity prices such as wheat, coal and iron ore, oil and gas are sustainable for 2022 and possibly longer? So I believe Sydney's asking, do we think the commodity cycle is going to continue to run? Now, by the dip, Dan, you've got your fingers on the pulse when it comes to commodities. So maybe give us a bit of an update on uh, what your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a space we've watched very, very closely. I mean, I guess as a firm, we've looked at materials very closely for some time. If you look at some of the hot opportunities we've shared up until this point, very deep in energy materials, which a lot of these underlying assets are obviously uh, the driving point for a lot of those stocks. Now, I thought I'll just quickly pull up a chart here. Uh, you can see here commodity prices rising very, very steeply, um, but still not at the point they were at at the middle of last year, which is why I think they are going to remain elevated. And I think there's even a little bit more room to run now. Um, obviously, you know, that's an opinion, but I think when we look across the board at the financial markets, a lot of the uh, major financial institutions agree I thought I'd just share a few statistics. We know a lot of people have upgraded a lot of price forecasts for different commodities throughout the year. Uh, I think I'm, what I'm going to do, I'll focus on Morgan Stanley because they've re released a very large range of commodities. Uh, just quickly, they've upgraded their copper forecast as an average price through 2022, 9%, nickel, 19%, iron ore, 9%, and zinc, 48%. So that covers a few ones that were asked about further to that. Hard coking coal, up 70%. Thermal coal, up 96%. Uh, and lithium carbonate up 225%. Wow. So not just remaining elevated. It seems like a lot of people think that there's more room to run in a positive direction. A lot of that currently, I guess, to do with the supply side of things. We know demand uh, at the moment in different parts of the world is remaining pretty steady. Uh, even through, I guess, major issues, you look in China, uh, their demand for, I guess, iron ore is still sitting pretty steady. With, I guess, strict lockdowns, you, guess, you consider that, I guess, a, a time that it would generally pull back in. Uh, so even though demand's not necessarily increasing a lot, we're seeing a lot of supply issues to do with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we've also seen Goldman Sachs upgrade their Brent crude price through 2022 to $135 a barrel, which is about $30 up from where it's at now. Uh, and Morgan Stanley also upgraded crude to 130 So not only do I think they'll remain at levels they are now, I think they're going to actually continue to increase. Because I guess we even saw before Russia and Ukraine supply chain issues and increased transportation costs already starting to push these, these commodities higher as it was. So I think... 
no sign of Russia and Ukraine slowing down as of yet. And supply chain issues still sort of, um, you know, running pretty rampant at the moment. So I think they're going to remain high and uh, even push a little bit higher. Very good. Now, just expanding on that question, because I know you and I were on different various charts today a little bit earlier. And we were looking at different types of commodities and how they trade, because we were looking at obviously coal and iron ore and gold and nickel and all those normal ones. And wheat got thrown in there. And that's a little bit more of an abstract commodity. I don't know a lot of people who are trading bags of wheat. What's some other weird ones that you see trade? I know orange juice gets traded. Orange, corn, actually. That was a big one. Three days ago, corn hit, <laughs> hit a nine-year high. So a lot of those agricultural ones, uh, the agricultural commodity index is at, up high from 2007. So big, big push there. And a lot of that to, is to do with strictly... What's the funniest one that you've ever seen? The Lean hogs. Lean. Yeah, lean. There's, there's uh, futures <laughs> contracts for... Uh, frozen concentrated orange juice. Oh, that's a good one. There we go. Um, yeah, there's some interesting ones out there, but I, I guess a lot of those ones. And didn't you look? When you're looking up today, the Big Mac index or something along those. Uh, Dennis was the Big Mac index. So yeah, it talks about uh, it's to do with currencies, not not commodities. No, no, got nothing to do with. Yeah, it's looking <laughs> the cost of the cost, the cost of, of Big, Big Mac in, in different, different countries. In different, and, oh, that's good. And then, yeah, I think that's quite fine. And where's the cheapest place to buy a Big Mac? If you're gonna go buy Turkey. Turkey. So yeah, if you're gonna buy a Big Mac, let's buy head a off. Cheap Big Mac. Off go to Turkey. off to Turkey for you. Very very good. Well, I hope that. Uh, Sidetracked it very nicely for Sydney Ho and uh, answered that question. Let's go over to Adam. Now, Oscar Atto has it. Atto? Atto? Oscar Atto has said, will iron ore prices reach their highs of 2021? And what does this mean for the domestic iron ore stock? So in 2021, we hit a high, Dr. Shedekovsky. Uh, are we going to get back there at uh, any point? What did we hit in... in well, 20? above 200. So right now we are trading at $150. Straight onto it. And, well, uh, so and over that... Quite, will. <laughs> <laughs> Over the last week, uh, we just traded 1% uh, lower, so we're still at the 150, and uh, that is a very solid number. So, I mean, you really have to look at two sides of the coin here. You have to look at demand and supply. So maybe let's start with demand, and uh, certainly we have seen some uncertainties there. So, uh, for example, there was a, an announcement from China. One of the spokesmen said that they are planning uh, to keep uh, reducing st uh, steel output from China. One of the reasons for that is, of course, uh, concerns with regards to... Um, Climate, at least officially, but another it could be just a simple fact that COVID is, is <laughs> dampering production. Uh, and so that is another reason, obviously. So uh, supply, certainly concerns there from China. Uh, and let, now let's have a look at the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the supply side. So demand in China is definitely expected to go down. Supply, I would also say, is expected to, to be down or flat uh, for this year. And so and we are... We had actually announced several announcements this week. So let me just mention a couple of those. So we had BHP coming out. They're saying um, the production um, of or sale shipments, <coughs> to be more specific, of iron ore went down uh, the last quarter comparing to the previous one. So that's certainly not good news. And they were explaining that, well, a lot of uh, issues with COVID, uh, among other things, uh, work issues, getting the right people to do their job, lots of things they mentioned. And, but certainly in terms of numbers, iron production or... Shipping that across to other countries, that is down 8%. Iron ore, uh, sorry. Uh, and then another company, so Rio Tintro, interestingly enough, it was another 8%. So they also announced that for the first quarter of 2021, their uh, production was down 8% comparing to the same uh, quarter last year. So we are seeing some issues there. And, um, and that was somehow expected that things could be downtrending. But nevertheless, we are seeing supply going down. So, and, so, and then the question is really, what will be the balance? And, and there are potentially seeing that 
then we could be seeing the pressure down could be higher. So if I had to see, say, like speculate whether the price will be going up or down, we are potentially seeing the down pressure a little bit more intense than the up pressure. And, um, and at least staking facts, we could, for example, see the, the Royal Bank of Canada, uh, they came out with an announcement for iron ore, and they were saying the price of iron ore could, could go as low to 115. Well, now connecting that to companies, Oscar's in typing in, I'm sorry I asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm so joking, continue, it's interesting. So for stocks in uh, all of those levels, that is profitable. So that, that is good news for companies. Anything that is above 100 is, is a profitable, a profitable business. Profitable. So, so I think that for companies, I think there is still a lot of potential for, for moving potentially even upwards. And certainly the prices we are seeing right now, they are making a lot of profits for the companies. Very, very good. Well, uh, there's your answer, Oscar Otto. Uh, Alto. Okay, let's go over to Mr. Mossman. Here we go. Your question here is from Ollie O'Shea. O'Shea? O'Shea? Do you Fuck think... you got stitched up with these I'm names. I'm really... Uh, jeepers. Okay, did you guys just go through and specifically pick tricky ones from your now? So anyway, <laughs> this is a very, very good question. Okay, we don't have too much time, so we will go through it relatively quickly, but it is a lengthy question. Do you think Bitcoin is entering a crypto winter? And what are your thoughts on the ASX Bitcoin ETF? Mr. Mossman. Yes, of course. Try, so and, keep, try and keep it under an hour. Under an hour. So the first a a part of that question is, no, we're not entering a crypto winter or a lot less likelihood than maybe in previous reasons previous times the reason for that is the composition of who's holding cryptocurrency back during the previous winter there was a lot more specific individual holders whereas now the composition is different we've got a lot of major institutions high net worth individuals and massive whales that are unlikely to be dumping their positions to suppress the market if there is a winter now 40,000 is a pretty healthy spot to begin um, stabilizing at Moving over to the new ETF, which is just awaiting a few regulatory green lights in the coming days, it is quite exciting. That's going to be run by a local firm called Cosmos Asset Management, and they're going to be launching the Cosmos Bitcoin Access ETF. Now, it does; it is a bit different from other ETFs listed at other markets, and the reason why that is, they're not actually investing in Bitcoin itself or Bitcoin futures contracts. Moreover, they'll be investing in another Bitcoin ETF, a Toronto-listed one, and that's got about $1.5 billion on assets under management. So that's been around for about 12 months, held its value quite well. Uh, but I think really what this signals is just providing another gateway to uh, Australian investors. Exposing, to exposure, right? Uh, and for you say, what are our thoughts on it? I think it's a very positive thing. Uh, and I think, as I said, people who are maybe a little bit more sceptical have had reasons not to go into cryptocurrencies. Now there's an ease of access to get What's in. it going to be trading under what ticker on the ASX? I don't have the ticker here. I probably should have picked that up. But it's called the <coughs> Cosmos Purpose Bitcoin ETF. Okay. Cosmos Purpose Bitcoin probably ETF. BTC. Could be BTC. BTC, who that'd be good. Who, who I don't think that's taken. I've never seen a BTC. I haven't seen a BTC, but there's a lot of companies on the exchange. Exactly. So if you look at Australia right now, owning the underlying asset, about 19% of Australians do. Which is quite, which is high it's for the rest of the high, world, yeah. But equities is a lot higher. Now, if you look at that, people who all have access to equity holdings now have access to their own reason to get into Bitcoin. They can go that's through huge. the ASX. Because 56% of people hold... Uh, equities either directly or through their own superannuation. So quite a big, big... Uh, exactly big right. Now, if you talk about the broader market, 
Australia's probably a drop in the water when it mm. comes to mm, um, liquidity mm. into the market. But again, I think it's a positive uh, for the ASX and a positive for Australian investors. Very good. Well, you heard it here first. Thank you, gentlemen. So that's commodities, currencies, and the events that shape them. Now, are you a bull or bear? Let us know, 1300 854 151. Our phone lines are now open. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to take a look at what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week. Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now. We're going to continue answering questions that are continuing to flow in over the weekend and most recently. Okay, and this one is going to come from Luis Ronaldo. Very nice name. With high rates and inflation coming, which sectors are looking most attractive? It feels like we're just going to go straight back to you for this one, but I do feel like this is probably right up your wheelhouse. I know you always talk about inflation, so what, what are your thoughts? He talked about way? sectors, so I thought I could uh, bring back my usual chart of the week. So we'll start there. We'll look at what's It wouldn't happening. be the show without your It wouldn't be the show without exactly. your chart. Bring back the chart. Everyone's waiting for it. So if we look at the week, probably quite positive up until today. This is the last five days. We were doing well uh, until today, weren't we? Exactly right, exactly right. So this is as of without today included, so that's why there's a lot in the green. I did that this morning. Uh, we see one of the outperformers being healthcare, utilities, and industrials. Maybe a little bit safer sectors, people you know, moving into those. One big underperformer you see is IT, directly correlated with the fall in the NASDAQ over the week. And I think that might be a trend that's likely to continue with tech stocks either being underwhelming or remaining flat for the coming months. And a lot of these um, sectors such as materials, which is we're seeing a lot of strength at the moment, financials, which is a hedge against the rising rates. Mm -hmm. And then you look at things such as real estate and utilities, periods of heightened inflation, stocks and healthcare as well, people that will always be attracted to it. So when we look at this higher rate, higher inflation period, as I said, we're looking at real estate, we're looking at financials, we're looking at healthcare, but I still think materials due to the current strength in commodity prices. Now, I just wanted to bring up a chart of the ASX 300, just to wrap up this question uh, and do a bit of TA because we briefly mentioned it technical earlier Technical analysis show. for those who aren't aware. Exactly, TA, technical analysis of our, our chart, the ASX 300. This week we made what is called a triple top. Now, as you can see on this first level of resistance, labelled number one, we see three touches. That was in August last year, January this year, and of course just this week. And that triple top is a clear level of resistance with which the market doesn't want to push any higher. 
Now, today we ended on line number two, which is a major level of both support and resistance over the last six months. And next week, it'll be pretty crucial to see if we can break that lower. If we do, we're looking at level number three, which we used all throughout 2020. Now, if I look at, I suppose, where I think it's going to go, I don't think we number two matters as much, but between levels one and three is where we're going to see this flat market over the next <coughs> month that Dan talked about. There could be a bit of down pressure. Triple tops are pretty significant, especially this one. So we could see a little bit of down pressure in the coming weeks. Brett Bordley, fat, flat. The worst case scenario is the fourth level. Oh, well, fat, flat. Fat, flat. It's a fat, flat. Exactly. The worst case scenario is number four, and that's a major level of support. Now, this support uh, comes straight back into earlier this year, that major low we made, uh, and then that double bottom just made a month later, which is in March. If we break that, which I don't think we will, um, that would be a major level COVID of support low to would break. be the next big level, would you not say? After, after level four, we would say drop into COVID lows would be... For sure, and that's a long way away. Yeah, that's so, a, yeah. Uh, at the moment, I think, yeah, as I said, one is the level to break, and that would be a major confidence boost to the market. And I think that would see, signal maybe 5 to 10% rally, which could happen in the second half of this year. But in the coming weeks and months, we might see an oscillation in between 1, 2, and level 3. Perfect. Well, I think that was uh, very, very in-depth. And uh, thank you, Luis Ronaldo, for putting that question through. Let's go over now to Daryl Luttrell, or L-U-T-T-R-E-L-L, Daryl Luttrell. Okay, and we'll take this one out to Adam. And he says, hi, guys. What is your team's views on BHP and Woodside pending the oil and gas merger and the $6 special dividend that they've said? So, BHP, thoughts on that? Dr. Adam Shedakovsky. Well, first of all, let me just remind everyone that this has been in the news for quite a long time. But let me just confirm the merger hasn't happened yet. I mean, so first of all, we do have a vote. So that is on the my May 19th. And that is where Woodside shareholders will be voting whether they think that is a good idea or not. So that is not set in stone just yet. But the expectation is that this will be happening. So in terms of uh, what, uh, how I see it, I mean, broadly speaking, uh, the market has responded to it positively. And I, I see a number of reasons for why, why that could be the case. So first of all, let's uh, talk, talk about one company at a time. So for Woodside, the obvious advantage is that it is being linked to a very prestigious company as uh, BHP. And, and just being somehow in any way connected to that is just profiling Woodside in, in a better light. Mm -hmm. So obviously, they have an advantage in, in being in that. And of course, they get some uh, oil and gas uh, and as well. But uh, the big thing, I think, is the image uh, improvement for, for the company somehow. Uh, on the other side, for BHP, what is the advantage? I, I will be uh, mentioning two things, perhaps. So first of all, I think um, the, the way they want to profile themselves, I think they are trying to, to create a little bit different image of what they are going mm. uh, into the future. And for Excel, so oil and uh, perhaps is not really a part of that vision so we are really seeing some of the bigger companies, they're really looking f into the future many years ahead where, where maybe other resources will be more important and we are looking at climate as well, being more environmental. And I think BHP is really looking ahead there and that is why, why they are moving the move. And of course, as a side note or a second reason, they will be getting some, some cash on side or you could say, uh, <coughs> of course, there is some money. So this is a shared deal, but nevertheless, there, there is some money somehow flowing into that direction as well. So I think overall, they're they gaining both of them in this very good, very good. So that was from Daryl, very good. Okay, and this one comes from Adam Zhang, and he has said, what is your outlook for the buy now, pay later sector, and what do you think of Zip's changes to the ticker code? 
and will it have an impact? So Zip has changed from Z1P to ZIP. I know you keep your fingers on the pulse when it comes to that company, that stock, and also Afterpay. Uh, care to enlighten us a bit on that question, Mr. By the Dip Dan? Absolutely. So it's definitely a space we look at closely, and I guess at the moment not for the most positive of reasons, Zip being the bottom performer on the ASX 300 year to date. Uh, but I guess looking through, I guess in the past, buy now, pay later, a lot of these businesses were market darlings through 2020. Afterpay, as you mentioned, Zip, Sezzle as well, uh, all did very, very well throughout 2020, but it's really sort of flipped on its head since then. And I think a big part of that is that a lot of businesses came through and saw the way that Afterpay took off and how well the company did and a lot of the gains, I guess, in the share market as well. Um, and now we have 15 buy now, pay later companies listed on the ASX 300, more than any index in the world. So wow. a lot of growing competition there as well. Um, I guess when we look at the growing competition, um, I guess the demand outlook that was foreseen when these companies were starting up hasn't grown as quickly as expected. Uh, again, with now the most on the index, there's a lot of competition there as well. Um, and profitability levels aren't really where they want them to be. So I guess a lot of uh, headwinds for buy now, pay later at the moment. And that's why we've seen them perform guess quite poorly at this point in time i guess if you look at a chart of any of these companies are uh, not looking too hot sezzle zip all in a very solid downward trend <coughs> but another big thing is greater regulation as well that's the big thing for these guys at the moment a lot of regulation uh, growing concerns about the buy now pay later i guess uh, business model so i guess the reasoning behind that is they're really looking at uh, the fact that they're sort of it's not, I guess, there's an argument to be had whether or not it's ethical, but that's that's the reason there's a lot of regulation looming is because it, a lot of people see them as encouraging customers, especially a lot of young people, uh, to, to go into debt, which is, is um, I guess, you know, not the most positive way to do it, especially when they, I guess, considered short-term debt. So yeah, A lot of their clients are actually younger. Exactly mm -hmm. right. I know a lot of people that have used Afterpay and this and that, and, uh, you know, a lot of people probably have debt and they're, you know, running paycheck to paycheck to pay that off, and I guess... Whether or not it's ethical, totally different argument. But again, that's that the reasoning behind that is why there's a lot of greater regulation looming as well. So I think there's a lot of headwinds for the buy now, pay later sector at the moment. Um, it's tough to see it turning around from where it's at. I guess you, you talk about a, a lot of headwinds being uh, slowing down sales momentum, uh, margin compression from all the competition, overseas expansion risks as well with all this regulation, a lot of bad debts. As I said, a lot of their customers being young people, at the end of the day, if they can't pay it back, that's a, a liability to the business. And again, that regulatory pressure as well. So I guess if, if you look at the ASX year to date, Zip, the bottom performer, uh, Sezzle, which... 71% down, is that right? Uh, 74, nearly wow, 75. After, after today, it would be 75% down. And from its highs, 91. <coughs> from its highs, 91%. 91%. Well, so it was what, 17 bucks? 14 bucks. 14 dollars. 14. And now it's a dollar and nine. Macquarie came out today and put a price target of a dollar and five cents, which is still 13% down from where it's at now. Um, so again, pretty steep drop. A sezzle, which was just removed from the ASX 300, that's still down 70% year to date and Tyro payments down about uh, 50 as well. But I think the interesting thing across the board here is apart, if you take out Zip, it has some quite negative broker calls. All the other ones actually have some really positive upside from the brokers, but a lot of their comments don't strictly relate to a lot of this regulatory pressure, which I think is really what's dragging a lot of these down. If you look at Tyro, EML, Afterpay, they actually have some quite positive broker calls. Email's not really a, a payment. It's not really a buy yeah, now, pay not, later. Yeah, it's not more a Visa and a payment solution provider. They're yeah, that, is, that. that is true, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, yeah so same uh, sort of, I suppose. Idea, yeah. But I guess, yeah, lots lots of headwinds for, for buy now, pay later at the moment. Um, and yeah, I guess some, some pretty steep hurdles for them to overcome before you, I can see them turning around. Very good. And hey, what a great question by Adam Zhang from the market, darling, to buy now, pay later space. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So, 
That's the best performing stocks for the week. Do you have a sector that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe average in? Why not send us a message and we can ask our panel. In the meantime, we're going to take a very short break. When we get back, we're going to go on to the final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea. Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Now, do you have a stock that you think is looking good? Do you think it could be the next big thing? Is this a company that could really break out? Why not take a video and email it to us at info at cosec.com.au or you can send us a text to 04-229-72897. Now, tell us what the stock is. Tell us why you like it and what we're going to do is track it over the next week. Now, the person who tips the best performing stock will receive their very own gold-plated Kadari Bull and Bear Cufflink. So that'll go straight out to yourself if you pick a stock that goes up. But to get things started, we're going to take a look at what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. And this is the next section, which is this week's Hot Opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what gold, oil, and the dollar is done. We know what the top performers of the week were. Now let's find out what our panel is looking at for the week to come. And we are going to start off with Mr. Buy the Dip, Dan, or How High Can It Go? Howie, Mr. Dan Howie, what's your <coughs> stock pick and why do you like it so much for the week to come? Yeah, so I thought I'd mix it up a little bit this week. I know in recent weeks I've uh, been very materials heavy. I probably think maybe the last four or five or six shows have all been materials companies. So I thought I'd mix it up today. Something from Consumer Staples, and it's Select Harvests Limited, and the ticket code for that business is SHV. Now, Select Harvest is an almond producer. They grow, process, and sell almonds from their orchids. Uh, they also are involved in processing, packaging, marketing, and distribution of edible nuts, dried fruits, seeds, muesli, and a range of natural health foods as well. So we know a lot of people you know, looking to get healthier, watching their weight, big push towards that nowadays. So a lot quite of people positive. having almond milk in their lattes Absolutely. now. Absolutely, almond milk lattes, big uh, you know, staple nowadays. Manly, all over Manly, we've yeah, got to love that. Yeah, have your, um, your almond milk latte as you walk down Manly Beach in mm -hmm. the morning. Uh, but yeah, so obviously a business that, uh, I guess, I'll plot the chart real quick. You can see here, um, you know, it's been downward trending for quite some time, but I think it's pretty clear now that it's broken that downward trend with the positive movements made in recent weeks. You can see the last nine trading sessions, there's been uh, seven bullish candlesticks, which have consistently pushed the top donchian channel higher. Looks good apart from today. Yeah, I mean, when you're down 1.5%, <laughs> what's going to look good, really? <laughs> but I mean, but look, it sees, it's broken through its 200-day exponential moving average on Wednesday there, very, very bullish. 
It's created a lot of upward momentum and the MACD and Williams Alligator are suggesting a potential continuation of that momentum as well. Now, last thing I'd like to mention for select harvests, uh, it is almond season at the moment, which is why we've seen some positive broker calls come through. I think the positive is the fact that they operate in Australia and the USA, so they're actually operating uh, at one point in time, always in that season. Uh, but we've seen UBS and City both come out with a buy recommendation early this year. Uh, pretty positive there with 23.8 and 42.8 upside respectively. So um, I guess not covered by a whole lot of brokers, but the ones that have, it is covered by, quite positive. And uh, is, is it almond season at the moment? Is it there? is in Australia, end of January to the beginning of May, I believe. So It's almond season. Yeah, I didn't know there was a season for going, almonds. It's, but, uh, uh, it's going nuts. It's going, <laughs> it's going nuts. Oh, I got that one. That was very funny. Thank very you. good. All right. The the uh, the company that's going nuts, that is Select Harvest, <laughs> and that is by Dan. Let's <coughs> go over now to Dr. Adam Shedakovsky. What is the opportunity that you've got for this week, and why do you like it so much for the week to come? So my pick is Strike Energy Limited, ticker called STX. So just very briefly, that is an energy company, and it has access to gas and geothermal resources in Western Australia. So in terms of macro, we have actually seen a couple of really positive news from the company. So let me just mention two. So there was a sales agreement with Perth Energy that strike uh, stroke. And so that is very promising for the next five years. They will be providing a very big amount of gas to Perth Energy. And another piece of news was also a joint venture with Taloon Energy. So ticker called TPD. And uh, that is also about gas. So I, I think that is also another very promising news. So in terms of institutional uh, recommendations, so they actually jumped on one of these uh, recommendations and they were saying that looks very positive. So for example, Macquarie Group put an outperform with an upside of 47%. So that is certainly very positive. But one of the things I like the, uh, the most perhaps about this company is also the technical. So now let's have a look at the chart. So, and firstly, we are seeing a price movement that clearly broke a downtrend with the stock steadily uptrending over the last few months, trading well above the 200-day uh, moving averages. We're also seeing positive alligator, positive stochastic, and, and new higher highs pushing the upper dimension higher. All positive indicators. And one could, of course, be concerned if we really missed the boat. But if you look at the chart uh, and the two MACD lines, we see that the, they are trading above zero throughout all of 2022, and that is indicating lower volatility during a steady uptrend. And that suggests that the uptrend could potentially continue. And there is plenty of room to grow to, to reach the all-time high, there's more than 20% to go. So there's a lot of potential for that company. I have to say, every time I hear you speak about your opportunities, I get in trouble because I want to leave the show straight away and go and buy it. <laughs> you're such enthusiasm. You're more enthusiastic than the guy talking about almonds. That's for sure and certain. So. My pun was better, I reckon. Yeah, your pun was better. <laughs> we can't really think one up for strike. So what we'll do... He said they struck a deal. That was quite Oh, they good. struck so a deal. I like Louis, that. Louis, uh, last one, he's got to have something good up his Yeah, side. let's see if he's got I something... you made the puns. That wasn't my well, job. Well, I like that. You know, yeah, I thought, um, yeah, right, fair, fair, fair. Well, I'll up my game for the next week. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you, have any if you have any puns for me, please send them in. <laughs> hey, look, I, I think my opportunity is to... It's pretty good. good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, you, I you think it's a good. Do you think it's a good, a good, uh, good opportunity? It's Goodman Group, uh, an Australian commercial and industrial property group. Uh, they operate across the country, different warehouses, logistical locations, businesses and office parks. They own a lot of property and they rake in a lot of cash from these properties. So we're talking about rates, what sectors they're going to impact. Morgan Stanley actually did a bit of research into the real estate sector in Australia and its impact. And they actually find that historically increased interest rates have a very minimal impact on REITs in particular. So Goodman Group could remain quite steady from that. Didn't they have an, 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 didn't they have an alliance with Amazon? 
so they manage a lot of the Amazon warehouses, uh, Kogan as well, all these big warehouses, Bunnings, I mean, all these massive uh, industrial facilities. The property in the land is often owned by Goodman Group. And look through periods of difficulty, what big cashed up companies are going to be able to continually pay their rent? Goodman's clients. So that's what they really held up quite well through the pandemic. Now, if you look at them fundamentally, they are a darling, and I know Adam would be thinking about it in his brain visually. But if you look at over the last financial year, they actually increased their earnings by 50%. Net profits jumped That's by good. more than 50%. Um, and their borrowings, they paid back over nearly half a billion dollars worth of debt in the same period. So extremely positive there. And you look at Macquarie Group, they believe that they're expecting 23% earnings per share growth in the next reporting period. So ticking along the box fundamentally. and then Which is always good. Always good. If we look at Morgan Stanley, Orbanet, Macquarie, City and Credit Suisse, we're looking at 18, 6, 16, 23 and 11% upside. So they all think they can go higher as well. And if you look at the chart, it's had a few positive weeks uh, in a market that's been going not really that far. Uh, we've seen a slight uptrend after they took a bit of a, a drop-off earlier in the year. And we're seeing these continual higher highs and higher lows. We're also hugging onto those 200-day moving averages uh, and a lot of support's been found around there. So <coughs> typically when you see that, um, we hope it's not a dead cap bounce. It did dead cap bounce once, but now it's continued to consolidate. Breakout in the last few days and an update today when the market was down does give me a lot of confidence in a company like Goodman in the sector they're in. Very, very... So you'd say that, I guess, pretty similar to us. We're, very we're, 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 we're a good man group. Thank you very much, good men. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here, we want to wish our clients, friends and families a safe and happy long weekend, and we will see you all next week. My name's been Will Brownlee, and this has been The Cosec Show.